Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hey everyone, welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. I am Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. <laughs> Be interested to see what that's about. I'll definitely reveal it later on. Okay, so it does have a meaning. It does have a meaning. You're getting good at having a meaning, at least, for these things. True. <laughs> Thank you for listening today, and welcome to episode number 18. So we are still in the beginning of the end series. Uh, last episode, we looked at where God placed Adam, setting up the scene of how the story gets started. In this episode, we're getting into Adam's job description and how that sheds light on the work that Jesus came to do. Yeah, this should be uh, pretty cool. We're, we're actually just going to do one verse today. And so it's going to be sort of like one of those deep dives on one verse. But there really is a lot in there, and it's kind of bursting with hints and suggestions, and there's just this whole thing going on in that one verse. <laughs> just a question. Is every verse like that for you? Every verse is like <laughs> no, loaded? Not, not every verse. Okay. De- definitely not. But before I get sidetracked, why don't we, uh, why don't we just jump in there, and we'll kind of swim around. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's jump in. So we are in Genesis? Yeah, uh, we're going to do chapter 2 and verse 15. Okay, I'll read it then. All right. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Okay, so in a previous episode, we kind of talked about how there was some temple imagery going on with the garden that is in Eden. And part of that comes from the opening on the east which is exactly what the tabernacle and the temple had. It had one opening on the east. The writer continues here and gives a, and drops some more clues to us that he's doing temple imagery by the two terms that he gives for Adam's job description here. He says that Adam is put in the garden to tend and to keep it. So basically he jumped. He didn't jump into the garden. I said jump because you said jump earlier. <laughs> yeah. But he put him in the garden and then put him to work. Yeah. One of the images here that's in contrast to the tabernacle and the temple is that God told Israel to build the tabernacle. And so they had to go through this laborious process of getting the materials together and erecting it and all that. But in the story of in the beginning here, God is the one who actually plants the garden. He's the one who plants the trees. He's the one who puts the animals in there. And what he does is he places Adam in the garden after it's already been planted. So it's it's not like God's kind of throwing him in there and be like, hey, hey, here's some seed and a shovel, you know, get to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a full grown garden. Yeah, it's a full grown garden. And God just, and, and it's a garden of Eden. And like the word Eden means delight and pleasure. And so it, it really is like God kind of prepared this place for Adam and invited him in. And he said, by the way, I want you to... Um, you know, the two words he uses there are to tend and to keep it. And the word tend basically just kind of means to to work it. But the word keep means to guard. 
and to have a watchful eye on it. And this is where it kind of gets into, you know, some of the imagery we have of even the word garden means like an enclosure. It's the idea that there's a boundary around it. There's only one place in the entire world that looks like the Garden of Eden, a place that's been prepared. And it's almost like God is giving Adam a model of what he's supposed to reproduce in the rest of Eden. And then eventually as he has kids and as his kids have kids, they're basically supposed to reproduce the Garden of Eden all over the world. And this is where we kind of get into, we, we actually skipped over the verses about the rivers, but it says that a river flows out of Eden into the garden. And then once it gets into the garden, it splits up in four different directions into four rivers. And sort of the implications here is that Adam has sort of like some transportation. Uh, you, you know, he can use the river. He can stay near the rivers. You know, civilizations start by rivers. God is kind of setting up Adam to learn how to cultivate and how to manage this very delightful, pleasurable place. And he uses these two words, attend and, and to keep the garden. And what's kind of interesting about this, this is where we get into like the temple imagery, is that the only other place in the Bible where these two terms are used together is in the book of Numbers. And it's used to describe the job description of the priests in the tabernacle. Hmm. And so Adam is kind of being framed here as a, as a priest. And you could potentially call him the, like a high priest, you know, or something like that, just because he's the first. He's, he's at, at the very beginning. He's the firstborn. He's going to be the, the oldest brother, the oldest in the family. Once you kind of frame it like that, and once you understand that he's doing temple imagery here, now we're kind of thrown into this thing about, well, what does God do with a temple? Well, he lives and dwells in the temple. If you get into what God does in the temple with the people in the tabernacle, it, the language of it being a tabernacle of meeting in other words, the garden is a place where God would consistently meet with Adam. And it was this very pleasurable and delightful place while he's learning to tend the garden. God is definitely assigning him things to do, but Adam is just not going to be all by his lonesome while he's doing these things. God is going to be meeting with him, mentoring him, training him, fathering him while he's learning how to carry out his responsibilities. Yeah, I think a couple episodes ago, we talked about the garden being God's dwelling place, kind of like the temple Yeah, was. The connection makes sense. And, and I get the tending part, like taking care of the garden. But I did notice that as well, that to keep it means more like of a guarding protection type of thing, which mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised about. I had looked that up this morning and noticed that word. So that was kind of surprising. Yeah, it. I mean, it kind of says like if, if somebody is kind of being defensive, you know, you kind of say, well, what are you being defensive? Like, well, what are you trying to protect? And is there something out here that you don't want to come in here? You know, even the idea of calling it a garden, an enclosure with only one entrance, and he's supposed to guard it and protect it is, 
we talked a little bit about how good and evil were already in existence before God created Adam. That's true. And so evil being defined as something with deficits or disorder, not all of creation, you know, what looked like the garden. There's a level of development and maturity that the garden took on that the rest of creation does not have. And Adam is not supposed to allow that lesser degree of order, that lesser degree of maturity that's outside the garden to make it in the garden. And so instead of letting the outside influence the inside, it's more like the inside is supposed to be spreading out to the outside. So there's probably some of that dynamic going on. But then there's also the potential of there could be already evil spiritual beings that he's not supposed to allow in the garden. And this could be kind of what we see happening in Genesis 3 is when the quote-unquote serpent comes along. And it's kind of like, well, was the serpent actually supposed to be in the garden? Mm. What if Adam was supposed to have shooed him out? You know, <laughs> That like was a, part of the, the protecting part. Yeah. Guarding. Right. Um, he, may, he may not have supposed to have been al- allowing that spiritual being in the garden. But we don't know that for sure, but it, it's very suggestive about protection and guarding, that there's something out there he's not supposed to let in here. Yeah, that is definitely interesting. Yeah, so I, I think there's a basic principle here about relationship with God. In order for God to kind of work with Adam, he needed a special place. He needed an environment. I think there's something here, too, about like knowing what that environment is for you in relating to God, but also knowing what your assignment is, and that that can be a very delightful and a very pleasurable place, is when you have a regular meeting with God, you know what the work that you're supposed to be doing, you know the space or the domain, the sphere in which he's called you to work, and Adam basically had all that. He, he had very specific directions from God about that, and it's definitely like a, a good place to be. But, of course, that place has to be guarded because there are things that want to creep in and get in there and pollute it and, uh, and disrupt it and get you sidetracked and maybe even get you out of the garden altogether. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good connection point to practical things. Yeah, I think what we'll probably do now is we'll just kind of go up to the New Testament. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to go into something in the Old Testament, but then anchor it in something in the New Testament mm-hmm. about Jesus. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And you, you just want to read that? Sure can. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. This is one of those very explicit verses that calls Jesus a high priest. We're making a bridge here between Adam and Jesus in this priestly role in the temple. And the the writer of Hebrews obviously goes into way greater detail about what Jesus does as a high priest. But the language I wanted to kind of connect with in that passage is that Jesus was faithful to God. And so if Adam was a priest and he was told to guard and attend the Garden of Eden, he obviously didn't do that very well. And hence we have the fall and he let the serpent in and, and things just got really disrupted. 
But the Hebrew writer says that Jesus was a priest and that Jesus actually was faithful. He actually did guard what he was supposed to guard. He tended and he worked the things that he was supposed to be tending to. You know, God gave Jesus a very specific assignment, and he also had to guard his relationship with God. He had to make sure certain things didn't come into his life, into his mind, or into his body. He, he had to be on, on watch, and he had to make sure that he preserved that space that God gave him. And that's part of what it meant for Jesus to be faithful to God, was that he carried out that assignment, and he guarded the things that God told him to guard. I think that that's kind of uh, another picture of Jesus picking up what Adam left us in a broken state, and then he come he comes in and does what Adam left undone. He finishes what Adam never actually finished. So since we're talking about Jesus and Adam being a priest, is there anything else about like the priest or the priestly duties or anything? to bring out in in that to help people understand who may not understand priesthood. Yeah, I think there's really two things, really. I mean, the word priest means like someone in the middle, and it's it's got a mediator or, you know, to use business speak, it'd be kind of like saying, uh, you know, like middle management. They're the ones who kind of carry things out that the boss wants done and make sure they happen. You know, one of the things that, Uh, comes out in the book of Numbers and Leviticus and all these other boring books is what most people think are boring, (laughs) is he says that originally God wanted all of Israel, every single person, to be a priest. And he wanted them to be a kingdom of priests. In other words, he wanted them to be mediators of something to the world and to each other. But eventually, because of Israel's disobedience, he narrowed down the priesthood to one tribe called Levi. And he actually says to the, the Levites, when they're becoming his priests, he says that you are mine. There's this really, really close relationship between priests and God because they are, you have to have contact with the thing that you're going to mediate, the thing that you're going to share. And so you have to become one with God in order to mediate and share things from God. This priestly relationship is not just about, hey, God has a to-do list, and he wants you to do things. Yeah, like some upper management that you never see, and they're just telling you things to do. Right. Yeah, here's your email with you know, all these things, and you wish you would have never gotten that email because it makes your life really difficult. <laughs> Ten more things added to the list. Right. <laughs> it's, it's very much a personal relationship that God wanted them in his presence at all times and that allowed them to represent God to the people and so Adam is definitely supposed to be carrying that out but he of course you know struggled to do that and then Jesus comes along and says hey I'm the high priest I am one with God and I'm carrying out the things that he wants done and I'm going to mediate that to other people I'm going to become a channel for God. Yeah, you definitely see that all throughout Jesus's ministry, him staying connected to God and him carrying out the things that God was telling him to do. 
Well, this has been a good conversation as always. Is there any teaser or anything that you want to mention about the next podcast? Yeah, so the next podcast we're going to, in the in chapter two is when God introduces the topic of death. And he basically says, this is what's going to happen if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is the first time it's introduced, and it's going to be a major, major theme in the Bible moving forward. We're going to unpack that a little bit. And don't want to sound too morbid, but we're going to be looking at death. Mm, the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. <laughs> ah. oh, awesome. Or is it the end of the beginning? Mm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, appreciate everybody listening today. And, oh, Tim, um, you didn't actually tell us what the whistling thing at the beginning was about. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It is supposed to be a bird in a garden. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I see. So let's bring this home as we close out this podcast. We've been talking about tending to and guarding the sacred space of our relationship with God, of how Jesus did that. And now is a great time to turn to the Lord and ask a question. And here's a question you might could ask. God, is there anything I need to tend to in our relationship? Or is there anything that I need to guard against that may be coming between us? So I hope you'll take a minute to turn to God to ask him that question and just see what he says, see how you can continue to grow and nurture that relationship with him. Well, you can subscribe if you want to keep listening in on our conversations. And feel free to leave a question or a comment. We will put a link in the notes to our podcast page. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.